Hello, and welcome to Unscheduled Flights, exploring the realms of inspiration, innovation, and creativity. I'm your host, Ambika Waters, and I welcome you to this podcast and hope you find it as interesting as I do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unscheduled Flights. We explore the realms of inspiration, innovation, and creativity. And today we're blessed to have a remarkable woman, Hannah Shalom, out of Toronto, Canada, who is a homeopath who works in oncology and a very, very spiritual woman who brings her spirituality into her work. I'd like to introduce Hannah Shalom. Hello. Hi. Hi, Ambika. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Hello and good evening and good morning to wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you are, indeed. Hannah, tell us a bit about how you bring your spirituality into working with people in a medical sense, in a homeopathic sense. How does that? Um, I am a homeopath, but I am also a Kabbalist. And so I practice in Toronto and in Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles is a little bit closer to Kabbalah Center, where in Toronto uh, doesn't seem to be so. Um, uh, I, I don't seem to have a much of a time to be in touch with anything or anyone else other than work. I think that everything we do in life uh, touches us on a spiritual level. Uh, mm -hmm. The disease comes in from a spiritual level, it's either karmic or uh, uh, circumstantial until we realize the situation we're in, until we wake up. And uh, working with oncology and working with end of life is, um, it's uh, remarkable to see that with patients when they are waking up, when they are, um, when they are seeing and hearing messages from above and beyond where uh, you know, prayer is the majority and mandatory medicine for them on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but for me as a homeopath, um, it is absolutely crucial to bring the guidance and understand their spiritual level, what they are at, uh, and help them, help, help them grow as much as help them heal if it's possible. That's beautifully put. It really is. I met Hannah. Um, I heard her give a talk to the homeopathy world community. And at the time, I had a couple of uh, terminal cases. And, and I consulted Hannah because I really felt I needed guidance. I needed to be grounded in what I was doing. It wasn't about the homeopathy. It was about my capacity to hold somebody when they were passing and do the very best I could. So that's how I met Hannah and we made a connection years ago and we stay in touch. I marvel at her capacity to serve humanity in the way you do. Thank you. Talk more about it, Hannah. Well, we know that the moment when we face disease, and I see this over and over again when I when I have patients coming through my door and saying, the doctor gave me two life, two, two months to leave for. Um, 
uh, the doctor told me I'm running out of the time and there is no hope for me. Can you do something? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I can do, but what I know I absolutely can is support you in whatever you're going through. And for that, I'm really grateful to, um, to the fact that I am a Kabbalist. I study Kabbalah. I believe um, in the spiritual law uh, that allows us to extract ego and inject ability to see clearly. Um, having the privilege to serve people and having the privilege to serve community and help having trust of the patient guiding you through the process regardless if it is process to recovery or it is process to letting go that is like the greatest uh privilege ever really is the greatest privilege that's what you taught me that is what you taught me be there for the patient and the patient will guide you into what needs to happen next and will open the door sometimes to miracles. I mean, really, sometimes to true miracles. And the ability to pass in a complete way with, with your relationships are sorted, hopefully, and you're ready to go. That's the ideal way. But there are people who fight the reefer, people who fight the challenge. And tell me, how do you deal with that? What do you, do you have any guidance? <laughs> Any guy? I, th I think that um, we are born to die, right? Every single day is becoming closer to that end, and and uh, maybe this is this is how I look at life. Make the best of what you can each and every day. Um, I feel definitely privileged to do my work, to do my job. Um, being present in the moment, uh, appreciate the moment, and of course. Zohar and prayer and uh, meditation is is very important and we all have chaos in our own lives sometimes it's just happening but as long as you understand that beneath that chaos there is a perfect order and everything comes from the light it can give you a strength to go through a day I mean you know there are days that I'm when I will say I'm done for today I'm done for this week I'm done. I need, Rest. I need a rebound. I need a, I need a moment for myself. Uh, there are days when my life falling apart, just like everyone else's due to whatever circumstantial situations we have, but we either give in to the chaos and ride the wave of disaster, or we say to ourselves, hold your horses, whatever happening around me, Remember, through through Kabbalah, we either reactive or proactive. We either plant the seed to understand the situation, or we become a chaos. And so, if we are able to snap out of the situation, say everything that's happened around me is teaching me something. It has given me the opportunity to see clearly. And it is allowing me to withdraw myself and step back and say, let's observe if I don't know what to do, I do nothing. And not struggle between the mental and emotional. Just let it be. 
So letting be is how I cope. And it's how I, how I practice homeopathy more and more. Um, and just be with people in the best way I know how. Especially long-term clients who I do know well. And people who are facing you know, terminal illness and how they're able to cope. I realize that the way I cope is by being myself and, and sharing. And that's something I learned from you. And I've been able to put it into practice in the past few years. It's I don't have a lot of terminal patients. I don't have a lot of patients. <laughs> just, you know, my, my practice gets smaller and smaller the more I teach and more I write. You're an excellent teacher, by the way, I'm become. Thank you, Hannah. But I have found that in loving people, really loving people, I am of service. It isn't always about the remedy. It's hardly ever about the remedy. The remedies, it's not a challenge anymore. You know, in the beginning, was it this remedy or that remedy? The remedy is not a challenge. It's, it's being with people in a space of, of communion and union, no matter what their faith is, no matter what their politics are, no matter whether you see them as good or bad, it's in this moment now that the healing is going to happen for both of us, for both of us. And I've never enjoyed working quite as much as I do now from that place. And I, and that I understand that that has to keep you going as well. Well, not every patient comes for remedy, believe it or not. Not every patient comes to um, to the clinic and say, you know, fix me. I have patients who come in and they want nothing but uh, guidance and a little bit of maybe coaching or maybe helping them to understand, remember. Right. 60%, people only understand 60% of what you say. But that is also 60% of what you listen to yourself and absorb. So self-talk is really important. Sometimes, sometimes it's really need to happen is the shift of consciousness. It's that stop complaining. It starts seeing things as blessing. Uh, right. Let's say your marriage is falling apart, but there is a reason. Maybe you should never be there at the first place. Um, you're ill. I understand. Let's look at the spiritual spiritual understanding of the origin of your disease and maybe you'll find answers into your life i'm not saying that we want or i want or any homeopath want to have remedy to everyone but i feel like not everyone needs a remedy sometimes the remedy is that hour of someone having the ability to trust you knowing that there is no judgment Absolutely. knowing that there is no nothing there is no being prejudiced against them and so uh, when patient comes in i always underline there is no there is no prejudice there is no judgment in my office everything is on the back burner turned off whatever you say i want you to know that i need you to hear it and i'll be just a sounding board and yes of course i hear the symptoms i hear the situation and um, I have a habit when, when patients is telling me uh, something, I said, okay, very good. What's next? 
Okay, very good. What else do you want to tell me? And I had a patient saying to me, you always say very good. What's very good? I'm like, well, very good that one, you acknowledge it and two, you express it because that's the beginning of healing. Having ability to be heard. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's absolutely everything to be acknowledged, to be heard, mm -hmm. loved unconditionally. There's something you've said it, Ambika, about love. And, you know, I think we are live for love. I don't, I don't know about, you know, a lot of people, but I think love is crucial. And um, we need to learn how to love ourselves. And sometimes we are so harsh and so hard on ourselves and thinking we can love you so amazingly and clearly and openly and that is so not true you judge and beat the heck out of yourself on a day-to-day -day basis and so i have this marvelous friend and she is um she's a phenomenal very powerful also kabbalist very powerful woman um extremely successful business owner uh and uh, I, I, every so often I have the privilege to sit down and talk to her and the mindset, the mindset is the biggest obstacle to cure the expectations or leaving to expectations of other people. That is another massive obstacle to your life and to your happiness. And so bathe yourself in honey. Bathe yourself in honey. I like that. Bathe yourself in honey. Bathe yourself in love. Fall in love with yourself. Stop living your life for others. Yes. Start living your life for you. Absolutely. You can't work with people if you can't love yourself. And I have for years that I had to love my clients. I may not like everything they do in their life. That's their business. <laughs> but I had to love them because if I didn't, I wasn't bringing anything to the table. Mm -hmm. it was I learned that a long time ago if I was going to continue being a homeopath and taking cases and teaching that was my rule of thumb I have to have that love it's the flow it's the love dove love dove of the heart and in that space that is where healing happens for everybody it's a it's a win-win and when people do trust you they will open their hearts to you. They, you know, that's, there's, it's just really a privilege and an honor to work with people in the way we do. Mm -hmm. And what I see with my students, they're very self-conscious in the beginning. You know, they want to get it intellectually right. They want to get the remedy right. And I remember that place, <laughs> God, oh, the right remedy. We've been there without that. <laughs> but, if you want to enjoy this, you've got to love people and love them, love them where they are at in their mm -hmm. And it's sometimes they become the teacher. Sometimes they bring, I had a client for years. She passed um, about a year and a half ago in her late nineties. I never saw her in person. It was always done on zoom or on the phone. And at the end of every session, she would say, I love you, darling. And I'm telling you, it made me weep. She would say, I love you, darling. And she was being the mother, the good mother, the good grandmother. And she taught me that lesson. And I'd say, I love you too. I love you too. 
and then we'd say goodbye and come back the next month. And we did that for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. And it was a privilege to be part of her process. And she, her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren were all part of that incredible continuum of love. And I think I was very fortunate to have her in my life. She was a teacher for me in that you do your best, you give me the best remedy you can, you listen to me, and I want you to know I love you for that. I love you for who you are. So, yes, I want to ask you, Hannah, do you pray for your clients? Absolutely. Of course I do. I mean, look, um, most of my clients will say, I want to hug. <laughs> and if someone sees me hugging and they haven't got a hug yet, there's like, well, I never got a hack though. So there is some element of vibration connection because life is about vibration. Remember, vibration comes and then color comes or picture or visual, visualization comes in seconds after. Yeah. The nanoseconds difference, but everything is about vibration. And so prayer is a way to not only shift your internal vibration, but also influence vibration of others. Because remember, it's through resonance, right? You vibrate and someone either vibrates on your uh, wavelength or, or falls apart or comes closer and readjust. It's so when we miss somebody, we miss their vibration, not how they look and anything. It's just, if you really close your eyes, the connection, the soul connection is nothing but embracement of the vibration. You walk into the room and you feel something's wrong, it's the vibration. You walk into the room and you feel love, that's the vibration. Absolutely. Right? And it has been proven that the words and vibration of love, love and light, is one of the highest vibrations possible on the planet. So, yes, I do pray for my patients. I pray for my loved ones. I pray for myself. Um, and I, you know, I, I tell you something. I, I had a patient who passed away. Well, one of my patients who passed away. And I was invited to Shiva. It was a Jewish, Jewish, uh, Jewish funeral. And, um, and I love this story because it takes me to a place of maybe understanding how big this experience was. It was blowing my mind. Um, this gentleman came into my office and said, I have three months to leave. And I was told that you can fix me. Mm. I can't fix nothing, but let's see what we can do. Whoa. He had a brain tumor. It was very well-known uh, gentleman. I will not mention his name. Um, and, uh, and I saw him, he ended up leaving two and a half years from the moment when the doctor gave him less than three months to go. Um, and the last six months of his life, maybe two months of his life, I saw him literally every week. He was able to reconcile. Um, so at the first appointment, he said to me, just give me enough life that I can fix what I broke. Right, right. I'm not, 
I'm not God, buddy. You gotta fix that relationship with with Creator first, with with your with your soul, with Creator, with light, with universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we started working together. Of course, fear of death, aconite did its job, but pushing away from remedies, we had a really great relationship. In a nutshell, uh, his son was an actor. He was able to reconcile with his son reconcile with ex-wife and he was um, endlessly in love with his present partner called her the love of her life and um, it was a really beautiful beautiful relationships that he was able to make for the last two and a half years of his life but what I'm going to this is um, when he was passing away uh, he he said to everyone, I am his angel and he needed me at his bedside. Um, unfortunately, it was a severe storm, snowstorm and I did not get a chance to get there on time. Uh, but the family told him I'm on the way and he passed away with the biggest smile on his face. Oh, love um, once there happened a funeral, I, of course, I was invited the next day's funeral and, you know, the whole family's gathering, it's a big Shiva and the ex-wife, the wife and the son came over and said, we would like to ask you to come every day. And we want to say that you had the most intimate relationship with him and we want to thank you because that improved our relationship with him. Right. And I think... And again, I, I'm just sharing something that's very intimate, but it's something profound. How a vibration, a connection, shift of consciousness, no blame, take responsibility for your action, understand the situation. Um, sometimes silence causes more chaos than actually having the ability to express yourself. And so learning how to, speak about situation not about the person mm -hmm. and um that was very profound that was one of the most profound moments not from the perspective of losing patience and being there but from the perspective of family witnessing his journey yes at the end of life and that was profound and i think that we need support whatever decision we choose to make we need support and unbiased support unbiased support and mm -hmm. i think the ability to serve people in that way is you're right it's profound it's an honor and it transforms you to a whole different level mm -hmm. i haven't had a lot of um terminal cases but each one was profound for me and the first one was the woman I treated for um, for cancer in England and I had supervision and I did all the right things with the remedies and she rallied in a way that nobody expected and had a considerable amount of time to set things right with her ex-husband with her children she was from another country. She went back to her country of origin. She saw people that she hadn't seen in many years. And then she went to Switzerland to see the wildflowers, climbed a mountain. I mean, who, who knew? But when it was her time, I received a message. She, 
somebody called and said, Ambika, so-and-so is passing and she wanted me to tell you that there is no room in life for resentment. It was like, thank you. I mean, it, this woman, like she became, she became the Buddha. She became the light. She was, you know, that was almost 35 years ago. And I remember her and remember that situation so well. So yes, the ego gets to say adios, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I'm off to a party, but then the soul, the grace of the soul becomes very, very apparent. And it touches everybody, the ex-wife, the wife and the son. I mean, come on. How often in life do you get that? You don't get that often. You know what, Ambika? I think that we tend to forget that everything has beginning and end. Everything begins and ends. And sometimes when we hold on to something, it bleeds us. It breaks us. Instead of walking away and saying, let's mend this differently, we're holding on through for dear life because of people's expectations, um, people putting a pressure or, you know, blackmail you or manipulate you or, or play or your emotions. And that is what helps to create stillness. So we know that every illness has spiritual origin, everything. And so when we are able to wake up and say, this situation doesn't serve me. This situation is not a moment in life I wanted to be in. This situation needs to get better. And sometimes better is walking away than staying. I, you know, I mean, we all have done situation. I walk out of my marriage. I think a lot of people have to walk away, whether it's job and situationship, relationship, marriage, whatever that is, friendship. Sometimes that is so toxic. The toxicity of expectations of other people pulls us away from being spiritual, pull us away from self-love, pull us away from compassion. You, If you can't give compassion to yourself, how can you offer to anybody else? Absolutely right. And, you know, people, I hear, you know, people talking about money and hardship and expectations and fear and, and pressure, peer pressure or, or friend family pressure. And I think that there is a moment of which you need to, you need to sit down with yourself. <laughs> you need to ask yourself a question. Who are you? Where are you going? And is this situation toxic or expectant? Does it serve you? Or does it going to break you in the long run? And when I have my appointments with patients, one of the patients, one of the questions I will ask is, who are you? Who are you? Tell me, who are you? Not what your best friend or wife or husband or anyone tell me about you, but who are you? And 99.99% of the time, they looked at me dumbfounded and stunned saying, this is the hardest question Absolutely. anybody ever asked me. Absolutely. Without that though, 
without that, you can't really do your work. And that's something I do think that the remedies help strip away the superfluous. Mm-hmm. They help they help you and they help the person get closer to that connection with self of knowing who they are. I mean, it's a question that's used in enlightenment work all the time. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you are. And the question is, who am I? Who am I? Am I a homeopath? Am I a woman? Am I a daughter? Am I a mother? Am I a sister? All the identifications. And the truth of a matter is you are the perfect. You are the perfect vibration of feminine and male energies bound together in one. You're the only person I ever heard that I know of who ever asked that question in a consultation. I mean, I've been doing that work for since 1972, but, but it isn't anything I ever brought into my consulting work. And I see, I thought, wow, now there's a question I'd like to ask because once you connect with that part of yourself that is permanent, that part of the soul that they say never is born and never dies, then mm-hmm. then you can really heal. Then the power is not in the pill. It's not in the surgery. It's not in who's tending you. It's in you. And the best you can do is call people to you who have that knowledge, that love, that wisdom, that guidance, that respect, and that can honor that. What a gift. What a gift. I'm calling you and it's my time. <laughs> You've said that before. Thank you, Ambika. I'm honored. You're going to get honored. Ambika's ready to say adios and check out. <laughs> wow. You, Hannah. You're definitely will make me cry from emotions and privilege and charm. And I can't imagine you going anywhere anytime soon, Ambika. Whenever, whenever we're called to go. Whenever the time, yeah. The time is, we need to be ready. With that woman that I told you about that I treated for 14 Mm -hmm. years, had a very challenging life, just a very sad, sad life with a lot of abuse and neglect and in her younger years. And when the remedies would bring up the emotional stuff, she'd go, I don't want to deal with that. And I said, are you going to take that with you? Is that what you want to take onto the other side? Wouldn't you rather clear that out now? And there was a silence. She said, yes, let's work on it. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, I know this, what I will say right now will not sit well with a lot of people, but life here on earth is the only place in the world you can fix yes for what you're bringing from above and when you're taking above and so not below but above and so all the hardships and situation and I've been through and you've been through and million other people have been through it happened it happened for reason it happened as a part of your contract, you happen as a part of what you're bringing here to grow and expand and change or to succumb to it. Yes. And so I, I know it's very hard and very difficult to grasp the concept. Oh my God, 
some tragedy happened and I'm so sorry it happened to you. Yes, I'm I so am so sorry. How can I help you see it and grow from it? Absolutely. Because I do think on this earth plane, this is the only place where you can do that work. Because that's what I said to her. Do you want to take this load with you? Wouldn't you rather be free? And I think when she, she was at close to 90 when she made, she said, yes, yes, I want to be free. That great, then let's let's bring some healing there. Who wants to take that load with you? It's, you know, I want to fly free. And I think that the ultimate tool of our medicine is that it helps people find freedom. If they choose it, if they yes. choose, if they want it, what an incredible tool for, for consciousness. You know, it's not, this is not a drug. Let me be really clear. We are not giving people drugs. We are not giving people acid or, you know, mushrooms or all those enlightenment medicines. We're giving them a chance to peel away the layers of their hardened ego, their resistance to life, their self-hatred. That's a huge one. Their self-hatred, their, you know, they're, the way they punish themselves, their guilt, their shame, just the crust of that is so hardened. I mean, and, they are, we are all born in a certain crust, right? right. It's, it's, um, it's expectation, a cultural, religious one, a home one, country one, whatever, whatever, whatever the crust is. You are inside that, I like to say, you're the Calcaria Carbonica. You're the soft little jelly inside, but that's really hardcore outside. But also tumor, right? That's hard, hard, hard shell on the outside. And beauty inside that needs to, you know, needs to come out of your body, come out of your system. Maybe that's not the best example, but since I'm on it, I'm on it. And I, I feel like, you know, yes, homeopathy is the element when we're peeling away the layers of onion. But it's also, look, when we have three, five, seven-year-old child, that child will have a lot of fear of their parents. That's not their fear. That's the fears that are being brought up by the parents. And the child is growing and one day figuring out, well, that's not my fear, good for you. Or they will cultivate that. As, oh, I won't do it because my mom or my dad is so terrified of it. And I'm not saying jump off the 10th floor, but I'm not saying leave your life in the fear of someone else's expectation. Absolutely. Do that for what you believe in. Or even in order to know what you believe in, expand your consciousness. Your consciousness is everything. Learn, read, listen. Everyone has something to teach you. You don't only have one soulmate. Your best friend can be your soulmate. Your teacher can be your soulmate. Your partner can be your soulmate. Oh my God. And you have a soulmate at each level of your growth, your consciousness, your life. And maybe you don't have that soulmate for a long time, but then you find one and you say, my God, let's figure this out. So regardless if that is soulmate in business, in in friendships, in relationships, in marriage, you have ability to have an amazing relationship as long as you allow yourself to have these relationships. 
without expectations and input of others, expanding your consciousness, learning, growing, connecting with you, connecting with your truth, connecting with your light. Not bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad at all. I love talking with you, Hannah. I think we're going to have you. more of this. This is good. And I think if it's good for us, it's good for anybody who is open to listening to this. Because it's, as a teacher, and you are a teacher and I'm a teacher, it's, it's not the mechanics of our medicine. It's the soul of our medicine. And that requires looking inward. It requires philosophical, ethical, and moral pillars and, and spiritual laws that we observe, that we embrace, that are guiding lights. I would never want, I remember one of my teachers saying once, I would never want to be treated by a medicine that was not philosophically uh, grounded. And I thought, what is she saying? I remember thinking, what is she saying? And as I looked around, I began to understand we need a moral code. We need to, to fall back on our moral compass. And yours is Kabbalah, which is a very rich and very true, true north uh, in its all of its teachings. I've never, I've never seen it ever go wrong. I've seen people hide behind it. I've seen people hide behind a lot of spiritual psychobabble. But when you live it, you become the medicine. And you and just wherever you go, whether it's to the supermarket or the post office or you get on an airplane and go to Mexico, whatever, you are the medicine and people feel that vibration. They are they are better for breathing the, the same air that you walk in, the same atmosphere that you live and breathe and do your work in. People are better for it, whether you say one word to them or not. You know, yesterday I had a privilege. I mean, I was just flying back to Toronto a few days ago and I had a steward from business class coming to, to my seat and think, I don't know why, but I just need to talk to you. <laughs> it's, it's your glow. Wow, it's the vibration of prayer, right? Well, they think about people. Think about it. Those people who are in the, work with the public, they may see a thousand people in a day. Maybe yes. When they see a glow, they know it. They want to come up and be next to it and rub shoulders with it. It's not, yes, it's unusual, but those people who are, they constantly see people come and go. They know it when they see it. They know the glow. So what happened was he shared the situation of with his dad who passed away. And um, we, had a, we had a great conversation. And at the end, uh, I was very privileged. Uh, this, this gentleman is from Air Transat. Um, and he gave me his a book and a little gift. And he says, if you read the book and tell me what you think. Um, but one of the things that I've learned through that situation is how many people are suicidal in this industry and the circumstances coming to this situation. And so um, when you talk to people, 
on a personal interpersonal le le level you understand where they're coming from what they're going through and the only way you can have the only way i can help the man on the airplane without saying pop a remedy is find compassion within yourself and pray yes that's forgive yourself first of all forgive yourself you are your thoughts forgive yourself and you can you can maybe move on from that and yesterday i had one of my supplier coming from uh different provence and we went we went for dinner and she she says to me are you always like this I'm like what of people stopping you when you're walking through the restaurant everybody want to talk to you i don't know i guess um and that's the vibration that's the vibration that you are allow yourself to be on and it's not a vibration of ego and it's not a vibration of i know better and i know more because maybe sometimes can come across that which is confidence not arrogance um but what i'm looking at is be true to yourself, be true to your vibration, and you can change people's lives just with one smile. With just with a smile. You are such a gift. You are such <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Ambika. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you and everyone else. You too. And anybody who listens to this, um, if you want to get a hold of Hannah, her information will be on this podcast. and. Just know that you have been touched by a by a very bright and very brave light. Very, very beautiful light. Thank you, Ambika. Thank you, Hannah. So I want to say goodbye. I want to say thank you for listening. Unscheduled flights, exploring the realm of inspiration, innovation, and creativity. And we'll have you back soon, Hannah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's my privilege. I'd like to thank our guests today who've shared their experience, who have enhanced my life by developing skill sets and a vision of the world that is really expanded and I think beautiful. So thank you until the next podcast of Unscheduled Flights. Again, I'm your host, Ambika Waters, wishing you all the best.